Yo MTG Taps is sponsored by LegitMTG.com. Strategy, streams, and singles, LegitMTG has it all. Oh yeah, and now us. So check us out every Friday on LegitMTG.com and stop back every weekday for more great Magic the Gathering content and product. Welcome back to Yo MTG Taps. I'm Big Head Joe. Uh, Stephen Marshall is currently on his international tour of woe. Uh, he started by going to New York to see the NBA draft in person and to, in his words, see the Knicks destroy their future in person. Um, and as the reaction of Knicks fans everywhere and specifically the reaction of Steven and his brother that was posted on SportsCenter um, <laughs> uh, on their Twitter and got retweeted like 4,000 times, uh, the Knicks succeeded in destroying their future. So uh, he is currently out of the country in Toronto I'm sure in a period of extended mourning, uh, and he should most likely be back to the show next week. Uh, for now, though, uh, it's not just me, uh, because I'm joined by two lovely folks. Uh, now, a little backstory before I introduce these two lovely folks. Um, uh, I, you know, as you all know who listen to the podcast, uh, went to Vegas. Uh, last month, and did really well there. Uh, I finished 43rd, um, which was my best performance in a Grand Prix. I was really excited about it. Um, it really had, you know, vindicated a lot of the thought that I had, the thought process I had been uh, down, which was that, you know, uh, limited, specifically sealed, is my strongest format. Um, if I'm going to make the Pro Tour, uh, it will probably be based on a limited event, uh, and uh, and I was one win away from it, you know, and that kind of sucks. But uh, what can you do? Uh, so, I, I m m most importantly though, um, I got the planeswalker points I needed to have a buy for next year, and uh, I started looking at other limited events that are coming up. So, you know, I'm looking at going to Madison in October. Um, already obviously going to Grand Prix Dallas in, next month in July, or well, this month when this airs is later on Friday, um, and uh, looking at Atlanta in November. Uh, now, the other event that's limited that seems reachable between now and then is Grand Prix Detroit. Uh, now, Grand Prix Detroit is team sealed, and team sealed is something I've always wanted to play, but I've never had an opportunity to play it. So, um, what I did was I got in touch with LegitMTG.com, our wonderful sponsor. And I said, hey, you know, uh, 
I'm thinking about going out to this event, but I don't have a team. None of my fr- uh, none of my friends like locally expressed much interest in in going to this event. Steven just can't make it. Uh, my buddy Peter can't make it. Like a couple people that like I had talked to locally uh, just couldn't make it. So I discuss- I brought it up with the owner of Legit MTG about doing a, like you know sponsoring a team. Uh, to go out there and represent Legit MTG at the uh, at the Grand Prix, uh, so he agreed. And I, I said, you know, one of the things I said was like, you know, maybe you can get one of you know the strongest players in your area, you know, uh, get one of them, one of, one of your players locally uh, to join the team, uh, and then maybe we could get you know a writer from the site to join the team. Um, and, uh, and so that's what we've done. Uh, so I'm going to be playing on, on Team Legit MTG. Um, I'm also going to be joined by Levi Gaines. Levi, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Doing great. Uh, Levi, uh, you live in uh, Rockfield, Kentucky. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, most people would know it more as uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky. It's about five minutes outside of it. Okay. Okay, cool, cool. So it's not – okay, that's the bigger area. I definitely heard of – Bowling Green and not Rockfield, <laughs> but yeah. uh, uh, so so Levi is joining us, um, and also we're being joined by uh, occasional contributor to Legit MTG, uh, local judge, and just all around great guy Jeff Zandy. How you doing, man? Hi, very good. I'm very excited to be on the podcast this week. Yeah, man. Uh, so I'm really excited to have both these guys on my team. Um, uh, you know, uh, I've, I've known Jeff mostly as a judge um, around the area, um, but also uh, I have an 0-1 lifetime record against him uh, in competitive play. Uh, so, you know, I know he's at least got <laughs> some talent in the playing area. Um <laughs> And you also, uh, you had a lot to do with uh, organizing the Hunter Burton Memorial, is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, we would love putting that on that tournament on, put on the second one, the second annual one back in March, and we will definitely be doing number three next March. That's awesome. That's awesome. I did not get to make it this year. I can't remember why. I think it was because there was a limited event <laughs> uh, a little closer. Um but uh, but yeah, so you know you do great work, uh, and and you're an old school guy like me. You've been playing for uh, 20 years, as long as I That's have, right? right? That's so, right. So I definitely appreciate that. Uh, now, Levi, I've just heard that you have a lot of uh, of of at least, if not like like you know wins, you've had a lot of good strong finishes in limited, and you're a really strong limited player. Do you want to tell me a little bit about that? Uh, as far as limited goes, um, I don't really get to play much outside of, you know, your pre-releases. Uh, most of our pre-releases around here are usually 40 to 50 people, mm-hmm. um, sometimes around 30. Um, I've top, uh, top forward every pre-release for the last four sets. Mm. Other than that, um, I don't really get to play much. Uh, that's why I'm actually relishing this GP Detroit. I've played in GP Nashville uh, with the Team Sealed event. Oh, it was sweet. pretty great. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, the best uh, best thing of the day was I played against um, played against uh, Huey Jensen. Oh, nice! His, yeah, his team of Reed Duke and Owen Turtonwald, and uh, I was actually able to beat him. And my two teammates lost to Owen Turtonwald and Reed Duke. Mm. It's a close call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. But you've but you've done but you've uh, you've won uh, several PPTQs. Uh, you 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 played in several regionals. Didn't you finish like ninth in one of the regionals? 
Uh, yeah, I won both of legit MTG PTQ so far this year. Yeah. And I finished ninth at the season one regionals playing abs and aggro. Hmm. So you're so you're a bit more of a constructed player, but you'll you'll be able to adapt to this. Um, I think was, I think this is gonna be a great experience. I know I'm a I am a, a, a freaking Zen master. Like when it comes to when it comes to sealed, I'm 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 like I I, I don't know. It's pretty it's pretty funny. Like talking to me about this stuff because i'm like don't when we used to practice it was always like let's build our seal pools let's register like it would be like five of us in a house and i'd be like let's register our seal pools now let's pass them you know and they're like <laughs> why are we passing these i'm like you are supposed to feel nothing about the cards you're registering like <laughs> you, you know it's like I, I, I there's a lot of things that like like i, I feel go into being able to to compete in none of these events successfully like like the thing that drives me nuts at limited events is just people talking about oh man i wonder if i should drop blah 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 oh so many good expensive cards like i would pass i would pass like six foil tarmogoyfs <laughs> you're saying because you know you came to game that's right no it's seriously. amazing people drive a long way and they get their sealed pool and of course it's amazing because it's not they're, they're never faced with six foil tarmogoyfs it's one pretty cool foil and a fetch land, and now they're ready to quit and have nothing to do all day. <laughs> I'm. This is the thing that drives me nuts. It's like this is what I said so many times. I'm like, if I want, I'm like, I'm married, dude. Like, if I wanted to open six packs of Modern Masters 2015, I would not have bought a, bought a plane ticket to Vegas. I would not have rented a hotel. I wouldn't have done any of these things. I would have stayed home, spent the weekend with my wife, and opened six packs and hoped to get a foil Tarmogoyf or something. Like, there's, like if I show up to a tournament, if I'm traveling, we're driving. Spoilers. We're driving to Detroit. If... If we, if I, if we're gonna be in a 17, I was gonna, I'm not gonna say if I would drive 17 hours. I'm not gonna drive anywhere. But if I were to travel 17 hours for a tournament, I'm not going there to open packs. I'm going there to win the tournament. That's the only reason why I would show up. And if I didn't think I had a chance to win, I wouldn't bother. There's no point. Stay home, open some packs. Like so. Anyway, it's just one of those things that like I tried so hard to train to get people to do. Um, uh, you know, when we were practicing in sealed before, it was just like, like we we all owned our own packs, and it was like, let's open these packs and let's register them. Okay, pass them. They're like, really pass them? But I own these cards. I don't care. Pass them. They're like, but 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 I opened it. No, it doesn't matter. Pass it. <laughs> I always tell people, it's like it's like I will pass this, and I will win with the cards that I am passed. I will I will get the cards that I passed in my prize packs, if there are prize packs, if I don't win the tournament outright, you know. Uh, but anyway, I could babble about this all the time. Um, so, we're, you know, we come from, uh, we come from, uh, I think, three very different backgrounds. I mean, I know that uh, I, I, I was a very casual player for a very long time, uh, casual constructed, you know, uh, played commander for a while, but I really hated commander after a while. Um, you know, always loved playing limited, but never really like put the resources into, uh, being competitive in it. Um, Jeff, I know you've had, uh, a decent, decent amount of experience playing, uh, like casual limited. I mean, you just like limited a lot, right? Right. I would, I'm, I like to play limited more than constructed. I'll play constructed. I'll play any format that you can get to the pro tour with. But uh, right. what I really want to do is 
play sealed deck and play booster draft. <laughs> cool. Well, that's good. And uh, six of my eight pro tours, um, six of the eight pro tour qualifiers that I've won were uh, limited, and uh, and uh, you know it's it's just definitely what I would rather do at any given time. Right on. And you've you've played in a decent number of pro tours then in your in your career, right? Yeah, so you know, it's eight. I've won eight PTQs and went to the Pro Tour every time, even though five of them were overseas. That's awesome. And I, I might, I would never, I would never have seen Europe if it weren't for Magic: The Gathering. That's so cool. And That's incredible. Uh, and so, and the, but um, let's assume they've been spread out over a pretty good length of time. My first Pro Tour was in '97, uh, Germany, which was only the second. Pro Tour, not in the United States. Wow. France had been earlier that year that, uh, of course, uh, was won by uh, by Bloom um, in Mirage Block Constructed by uh, that guy. The guy we can't quite get in the Hall of Fame. But anyway. <laughs> um, but uh, but um, And then my most recent one was I won a sealed deck PTQ in order to go to Valencia last spring. That was Born of the Gods, right? Right. And the factoid I learned about that that I was really excited about was that you were the oldest qualified player for that Pro Tour, right? That's right. There's a there's a guy from Chicago named uh, Bob Wagner that I've been waiting to outlive. I mean, he's still alive, <laughs> but, but he's not going to Pro Tours anymore. Right, right. <laughs> but I just thought that was really exciting. Um, and uh, I, I'm hoping that we can go to Detroit and uh, help you break your re- your previously held record. Okay, um, so or are you saying, though, that since we're driving a total of 17 hours to get to Detroit, that the three of us, we might as well just declare right now that we're not going to open our packs and then and then quit and play side events? Absolutely. I would, I okay. would never do that. Okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll commit to that. Absolutely. Um, I yeah, and this is this is the cool thing. So so uh, you know, I got to talking to Jeff about this, and I was like, Jeff, you know, you want to do this thing? Uh, you know, most of it's covered. We just got to get to Detroit. And he was like, Wow, you know, if that's the case, I'll rent a car and we could drive up there. And I was like, That seems like a cool idea, you know? Like like I was I I'm I'm a greyhound traveler a lot of times. So uh, you know, when it when it comes down to it. Uh, I'll get on a bus before I'll get on a plane, especially if the difference in price is a couple hundred bucks. Um, but uh, but I was like, wow, a drive might be really cool. Uh, and I just assumed, you know, I'm like, oh, and you know, and leave. I can figure out how to get there himself. Uh, but then my coworker, just like two days ago, asks me, he's like, uh, so you guys picking up your teammate on the way? And I was like. My 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 initial like reaction was no no I, that's ridiculous no, and then I was like, but it doesn't make sense to and I was like I just like went on my Google Maps and looked it up and I was like, it's practically on the way like on the route we're taking like it's like not it's like almost negligible how much extra travel time. Right. Uh, when I looked it up, I was astounded how little I knew about where the states are in relationship <laughs> to each other. 
Yeah, absolutely. I was like, whoa, that goes right through there. What the hell? So, yeah, so, so uh, you know, I, I, I talked to Jeff about that. I didn't want to go offering. <laughs> I'm already uh, incapable of, uh, of contributing to the driving to Detroit. I didn't want to be like, oh, by the way, Jeff, we're picking somebody else up. Like... So, uh, so I asked, you know, Jeff to look into logistics and it makes perfect sense. So we're actually leaving from Dallas. We're picking up Levi in Kentucky and then we're all three driving into Detroit together, which just feels like such an epic adventure. I'm so excited about this trip. Like look, Levi's in Kentucky and he needs a ride to Detroit. It's, it's, it's only, it's what any teammate would do. You just, hey. you just swing by and pick him up. I appreciate the drive, and I'm also capable of driving on the way there and on the way back. Well, that'll be a great help. Absolutely. I am helpless in that regard, as I have never had a license in my entire life. Okay, Um, we won't start this trip. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So... Uh, yeah, so, so this is going to be really cool. Uh, Origins Team Sealed. Uh, for those of you who don't know, um, Team Sealed, you get 12 packs, you build three 40-card decks, and then you each, th- the three of you each play an individual match against another person from, an, you know, another team. Um, and then the first two teammates to get match wins the team wins. That's correct, right? I'm not That's saying correct. anything. That's correct. You've okay. got it. Yep. Right. I guess you play all three matches time um you, as uh, time uh, if as long as you have time to finish all three matches, you play them out because uh for tiebreakers. And yeah, and for individual uh individual record as well because right. it does keep track of your individual planeswalker points so you do have to finish the matches um yeah. if unless somebody doesn't care and once their team loses they scoop which and i can imagine happening about half the time and then um, you, have, you have another weird thing you have to do which is you know one of you one of us will be player a one will be player yep. b and one will be player c uh, and it's <laughs> and uh it's interesting for that you kind of play the game of oh well does everybody put their best player at player a and do we even know what that you know what that would mean exactly? And do you put your so-called you know worst player at player C? And what what in the heck does that mean? So some people do play around with that, but but you get twelve packs. You got to build three decks. The bottom line, and even the sideboard cards have to go in one of the three decks and can't be uh, can't be switched between decks. Hmm. Yeah, I wasn't even sure about that. I was that's something I was really curious about as well. Right, so if they add up, and they will, um, that'll be a fun job judges will have where they have to look at our three deck lists, and when they add up the total column on all three of our sheets, they'll find all the cards. All the cards that we open will be uh, on one and only one of each of our deck lists. Hmm. And added together, you know, it has to add up to 12 boosters. Right, that's interesting. Yeah, because I wasn't sure about, like, because I was, I was a little confused about how, like, the sideboarding rule, because obviously you get to do some sideboarding. Um, so you so you actually do divvy up the sideboard cards, and you can't... Right. Yep. can't swap between once you commit, that's it. Like that, It doesn't come up very often, but you know that funny thing in Sealed where you'll kind of go, uh-oh, this didn't work, can I pleat, can I possibly make some sort of uh, crazy play into another color for game two and three. You, you, you say that doesn't come up that often. It's exactly how I made day two of Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. I told you about that, right? 
No, I didn't know. I didn't so, know that. So I started out with a miserable black-white deck that had, like, so many non-bows in it. It wasn't even funny because I just didn't. So I Nameless Inversion, you can get back with Soul Shift, right? Right. I, um, I shortcutted that to be all arcane cards. And like so I was just kind of looking at my like like my pool going, Oh, I wonder if this could be interesting or whatever and then they were like, Two minutes left in decker I'm like, Two minutes They didn't give any like ten minute warning. Usually it's like fifteen minutes left, you're halfway there and especially when you've when you had the sleep in special with no buys. So like you you're sitting there with a pre registered pool, but you're just sitting there while everybody's registering, you know, so you've spent an hour sitting. You have no idea how long thirty minutes is once you've sat there for an hour and you know, just sitting there waiting. Right. So that's a strange experience. It was. Uh so so, you know, I'm just, like, looking at a pile of cards going, I wonder if that could work. And they're like, two minutes, and I just start writing it down. I'm like, this is the deck. I can't do anything about it. And then once I got into the game, I was like, oh, my God, I can't get back on their worldly journey with Thief of Hope. What am I doing? Oh, no. Like, I was like, I just ruined. So I sat there. I got my ass handed to me after round one. No, Not even close. And I'm sitting there staring at my stuff, and I'm going – this is not an X2 deck. I cannot make day two with this. Like, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, did I just come all the way out here and spend all this money for nothing? So I was like, okay, I have to come up with a plan. So I created a 17-card sideboard plan. And after game one, my deck turned into Abzan, and the white went from, like, a big color to a light splash um, for, like, all the removal. I mean, I had so much removal. Um, so I wound up siding in to... The, the real deck games two and three. My plan from round two on was to maybe steal game one, but I expected to lose game one. And then I had to board into my real deck and win games two and three. So and did I you up, play a lot of game threes? I played... How many game... I played uh, four game threes. The rest of the day. So I, I, I won my game one in rounds two and three, and somehow in round seven. I have no idea how I won a game one when we were that deep into the tournament in the X1 bracket. Like, I should not have won by any means. Uh, but I found out I wound up finishing X2. I got my, you know, my seventh win in the last round, made day two, uh, played my first two Modern Masters 2 drafts, 2-1 the first draft, 3-0 the second draft with red-white, red-white double strike with a Sunforger and two of the Goblin that you can tap two red and one to deal damage equal to its power. Um, Spike Shot Elder. That thing, yeah. So I wound up with two of those, a Sunforger, in, in, in like in a in a mm. in an archetype that I was like, man, this archetype sucks, but it just started coming to me, and I was like, I guess we're building it, whatever, and. Uh, and built it and just, you know, 3-0'd that draft. So, yeah, finished out uh, whatever, 1 million and 3 on the day. 12 and 3, felt like a million rounds. Uh, 12 and 3 on the day, just shy of the Pro Tour invite, which sucks. But, again, you know, uh, I was – it's one of those things where people go, I'm just lucky to be here. Oh, my God, I was so lucky just to be there day two, like, with the deck that I had originally built. But that's the thing is like recognizing that and being able to adjust it like immediately and correct it and just and just you know not let it bring me down and just power through the rest of the day just really uh, it just it fired me up. I mean you should have seen Stephen was just like Stephen couldn't even be near me because I was just like 
like just kind of pacing and like kind of hopping up and down and like going yeah he's like he's like did you win i'm like what do you think like i was like so hyped up because i was just like i have to win i have to do this like i was just there was no other option but to win and and to win with a terrible deck and and yeah so i don't know It, it, it was the kind of day that made me feel like yeah i can really like i can take this on the road a little bit more and, and, and do more of these Grand Prix. It really, really gave me a lot of confidence, not cockiness, you know, like you got to be cocky in those moments where you, where you can't lose, you know, but like, huh? I was gonna say, it's not even really being cocky. It's just being confident. There's a lot of players that'll lose around and immediately just start hating on themselves. And the other day at the PTQ, a friend of ours lost and, I mean, by, like, second round, he he could not, like, there's no reason for him to play anymore. He was hating on himself so much he couldn't concentrate. Yeah, yeah. And... I, I, I tend to, I'm very good with managing tilt. Like, I have not, I've been tilted at a Magic tournament, like, once in the past, like, six months, I think. Um, and I recognized it and dropped. Like, I was like, whoa, I was like, this is not, this is weird. And I got tilted playing against one of my good friends who, like, one of the main things that I had taught him over the last year is how to not get tilted. Because <laughs> <laughs> he used to get so tilted. He would stomp out of tournaments. And I'm like, why are you wasting your time playing this game if this is how you're going to react? You know, I'm like, I'm like, there are things you could do that are much more calm. Like, like, I, I don't know, but, like, I got him to a point where, like, you know, he started accepting his losses and started reflecting on them and seeing what he could do to improve rather than, you know, just just getting angry, you know, because it was just anger. And, uh, but, yeah, but I lost to him uh, due to – it was a really silly play mistake. And I'm not going to say it's the reason why I lost to him because I think I didn't – I think I didn't stand much of a chance in the match regardless – but I made a really stupid play mistake that caused me to lose um, faster than I might have otherwise. And then the second round, I just started making so many mistakes. Like, I, I just noticed the thing cascading. And I was like, you know what? I think I can recognize this. I'm done with the day. And I just, like, I just you know, conceded to my opponent and went home. <laughs> like, a, was... a lot more people need to realize that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah, because you, you'll, never, you'll never win when you're, like, beating yourself up. You know, you'll never do anything. Yeah, you can't but beat still, yourself and your opponent. But still, it's amazing to have the eye of the tiger like that in Vegas when you're walking around in the biggest magic tournament of all time. It was mind-numbingly large in that giant concrete room. Yeah. With uh, vendors in the middle and and the two halves of the Grand Prix so vast that if you were in between rounds and you had. Man, if you had a lot of time, if you had 20 minutes before your round was over, you don't really have time to walk to the other side, see what's going on, and then make it back. You have to right. you have to plan ahead. You needed a Sherpa for that tournament. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> and for you to – so I, have, I like to think that I only attend tournaments that I think I can win, but I'll admit that I wasn't, I wasn't feeling it that strongly for Vegas. I mean, it's just – too many people. I just wanted to be there. But mm-hmm. uh, someone apparently forgot to tell Joe that this tournament is just for fun. And, um, you know, that's a great <laughs> performance in a huge tournament in a format that, uh, it, you know, that w- was by no means perfected at all. Right, right. 
Yeah, well, thanks. I appreciate that. Like, I'm I'm happy with it. You know, I, it's the you know, despite you know, regardless of it being my best performance, like in terms of like finish, you know, it's the performance I'm most proud of in terms of like my like the ability I had to 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 adapt and to be flexible and to not be stubborn and to not do what I normally tell people to do, and that's build your deck right the first time, <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, I'm like, why do you have two decks built? I don't I, I, I have a lot of trouble grasping that. Like I built two decks for this tournament. It's like, well, why, why don't you just build the right deck the first time? You'll see that all the time. And then you see the, uh, switching to the second deck for game two. Well, that makes sense to me. If, if you've realized your first deck was terrible, but guys will switch to their other deck after they win game one. And if they lose the match, um, you know, I don't even know where they where they go after that. Right, I actually I... had that come up in uh, season two regionals uh, first round. Yeah, my opponent switched from black red dash to blue black Silumgar, and I actually beat the blue black deck. And then he switched back to black red for the third game. But at that point, I guess he had left in some blue cards. He had kind of tried to mix the two. <laughs> they say That's... that a man with a watch always knows what time it is, and a man with two watches is never sure. it's really good that's really really good um but yeah like and that's the thing though is even if i won game one though if i won game one i was even in better shape because they thought they were playing against a real deck and like i never i never let on to any of my opponents, I never, I never talked to them like, "Oh man, this sucks." Who's gonna get through this? <laughs> never like led on that I was playing a crappy deck. I played that deck with the utmost confidence. Right, and like, if they only see the good cards, then all the better. Sometimes you get that double thief of hope and that nameless inversion. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they see, they see nameless inversion into thief of hope into nameless inversion into thief of hope into nameless inversion, and they go, "Oh man." That's a good deck. And then I take out the Thieves of Hope, and I put in the green cards, and they're playing against a totally different deck. So, But yeah, I never let on that, like, oh, I misbuilt my deck. And after after the match, I would be like, yeah, so uh, the deck you played against round one was not the right deck. <laughs> like, it was bad, and I just had to scratch and claw. Um, but anyway, it, it was interesting. Um Unfortunately, a lot of this is stuff we talked about last week on the podcast, or last month on the podcast, so this might be a little redundant for some of our listeners, but I don't mind, you know, I don't mind retelling my success stories. We could do this for the next five weeks straight, I'll just retell this story. I remember a time when... No, um, but anyway... Yeah, I, I was playing poker on Sunday while you were still in the main event making yeah. it happen. <laughs> yeah, you were. <laughs> <laughs> I did not play poker. I don't. Man, it's so funny. Like I, I had, I was in the casino on on uh, on Monday because we kind of stayed an extra day. I couldn't bring myself because I've never played like I've never gambled at like a card table before. I've never done it. And, like, I couldn't bring myself to go, I want to play poker. How much money do I need to buy in? Like, I just was so embarrassed to, like, be a noob. Like, I just didn't want to be that guy. So I sat there, and I lost some money on the slots. Mm, <laughs> yeah. like, that's what happened. So. All right. Well, next time, next time. Whatever it is you like to, you know, whatever game you like to play, Vegas is definitely the place. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, yeah, next time, next time I'll definitely check it out uh, and, and try try my hand at it. Pun intended. No, but uh, but but you're perfectly. You know, uh, your success in Vegas is kind of all about uh, being very flexible and ready to, you know, try to try something different with a format that isn't solved. And while and while plenty of people will have played plenty of sealed deck with Origins before we go to Detroit, uh, including hopefully each of us, uh, the fact is it's going to be a very unexplored format with regards to three man sealed. Uh, it's going to really, you know, it's going to really, uh, pay off for people that can think on their feet and can make, you know, good decisions that day because, uh, you know, you're only, you're only going to get so much practice if, if any, uh, playing three man sealed ahead of time. Right. Right. I, I, like I see, um, the thing I'm saying about Team Sealed for this event is that Origins is going to have what I think right now will be clearly defined, or at least defined uh, archetypes to be choosing from, and then you know adding choices from there once you get your sealed pool. Well, yeah, what if, what have you found looking at the spoiler uh, that you know are kind of combinations like like well, I have you, one thing right now green black elves. Yeah, well, you have that, and, like, they printed Elvish Visionary, and they printed the four-drop elf, and, like, they have the cards there, and we still haven't seen all the... That's what I'm saying. We have to see the rest of the set first, but from what I've seen, it just seems like there's going to be some type of definition to the archetypes already. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, that green-black elf is nasty. I think... Um, and, and, you know, now we're talking... Now we're getting into spoilers here without making much of a transition into it, but I don't care. Um... <laughs> So, Shaman of the Pack, I just want to talk about this real quick. Um, I haven't played against Collected Company Elves, because Modern is, like, the only other format I play currently besides uh, Limited. Uh, so, I haven't really seen what the um, Collected Company Elves deck uh, is capable of. Um, but, Shaman of the Pack is a... Uh, I'm just going to read it. It's a 3-2 Elf Shaman. It's an uncommon... It costs one a black and a green. Uh, when Shaman of the Pack enters the battlefield, target opponent loses life equal to the number of elves you control. Now, is is this card, like, super broken? I'm sincerely asking. Is this card super broken for the Collected Company Elves deck? Or is the, uh, or are just some of the other infinite combos better? Uh, the others are actually better. Are I they? actually play that deck. I've been playing it for three weeks now. Uh-huh. You won't I started have playing it a week before the GP. Yeah. Uh, the most elves I've ever had him play at once is like eleven. Okay, well, that's and just, that, yeah, it's just yeah. not enough. But I mean, it just seems really good. I mean, like, and especially if you've got ways to blink this thing. I mean, obviously you're not going to have those in collected company elves. But I'm just saying, like, you know, in limited, you're, you're playing some sort of elf stack. Well, and, uh, we do have flicker wisp. Is flicker wisp in origins? Well, I'm talking about like you were modern. saying in, in modern. Is it in the Collected Company deck? No, no. but it can be. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. It, yeah, it probably can be. You're right. Uh, now, do we have... Um, we haven't got it yet, anyways. Uh, I don't even remember what the name of the card is, but there were some cards, there were some beasts in um, M15 that were like, at the beginning of your upkeep, return another creature you control to an owner's hand. Do you know which ones I'm talking about? Right. Now, if we get one of those... <laughs> in green uh, uh, with this card. I mean, can you imagine just how how ridiculous that could be? Like, uh, just it just seems that just seems 
crazy. I mean, now, you know, obviously we're very early in the spoiler to really have an idea of everything we're going to have. But, um, but that just seems like a really crazy, uh, interaction potentially if you can find some way to bounce this thing, um, or blink it or whatever. Um, I don't know. I really like it. I, I don't, I wonder if it could even make, I don't know if, what the, I don't know if the elves deck that's in modern is the best possible elves deck, or if they're if this could create some sort of well, or allow for some sort of elf ball deck. That well, you could actually yeah you could actually go for Genesis Wave with this card. Yeah, hmm. yeah, and uh, and just really yeah really abuse this because this yeah is, considering that you get um, you get uh, the green and three um, messenger goblin ringmaster for uh, for elves. Yeah, yeah Sylvan messenger. Yep. That's going to be interesting to try. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there's there. I like I like what Levi said. There is already. It looks like there are a lot of synergies. Um, have we haven't really seen? Because there's definitely a Merfolk in the set that's got uh, some potential, at least in in uh, constructed. But I'm. It's like the only Merfolk I'm seeing besides a crappy one three. Yeah, um, I only saw two in the set as well. So. Yeah, but but. Uh, the Harbinger of the Tides. Uh, I kind of like this. Um, so, you know, Merfolk is already kind of, I would say, I don't want to insult the people who play the Merfolk deck in Modern, but it's kind of a fringe Modern deck. Um, it's, it, does, it, it doesn't really put up great results, but, uh, but it's, 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 it's around. Um, I wish it did better than it does, because I used to play it in Legacy, and I loved the deck. But uh, this card, Harbinger of the Tides, uh, I'm going to read it. Uh, it's a 2-2 for blue-blue. It's a merfolk wizard. It's rare. Um, you may cast Harbinger of the Tides as though it had flash if you pay two more to cast it. Uh, when Harbinger of the Tides enters the battlefield, you may return target tapped creature and opponent controls to its owner's hand. So some people were saying, you know, well, this isn't really that good. Um I think this is really cool because I mean, if you're you're playing vile, if you're playing uh, if you're playing Merfolk, and um, you can vile this in or pay four for it um, in response to a Splinter Twin activation, yep. and I think that's kind of the thing. <laughs> it's kind of Public Enemy number one, uh, or at least you know tied for number one next to Collected Company right now. Uh, in modern is the uh, is the Splinter Twin deck, um, and uh, this this damn set did no favors by adding a three three that gets around illness in the ranks. <laughs> anyway, I'm not mad. I'm 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 very mad. Uh, it makes me angry. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, oh, man. So, but it, it seems like it could be a really useful card. Uh, at least sideboard against that deck for the, uh, for the Merfolk deck. Um, now I know I'm just skipping around. This is just what I do. I say, let's keep it structured. And I go, Oh, this card, Ooh, this card. Ooh, pretty. Um, I'm actually doing the same thing. I have the spoilers pulled up and while I'm listening to you and talking, I'm also looking at them. Right. Right. Uh, so is there any, are there any cards, uh, Levi, are there any cards that are, uh, catching your eye right now that you want to talk about? Uh, actually there's one card that I'm looking at and, uh, people haven't talked about it, but it's fiery impulse. Okay. Uh, one drop red instant that deals two damage, but if you have two instants or sorceries in your graveyard, that's the spell mastery. It deals three damage for one. Now the thing is, though, it's target creature. Oh, is it? I mean, that's, yeah, I actually still like that. Um, oh, it's solid removal. 
I like that for like the Jeskai Ascendancy deck because up until now they only have you know two damage or lightning strike. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. Uh, I mean, my, like I said, my problem with it is that it's this target creature. If it's a target creature or player, that'd be all over this card. Sure. Um, but <laughs> I think everyone we'll be would. playing it in Detroit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course, yeah. of course. I'm just thinking of in terms of, like, of good creatures that it kills in standard, but also in sealed, it's a uh, fairly good removal spell. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Um, Jeff, you got something to, to, to start you off? I want to act of treason, and then I want to spend red and one to sacrifice that sacrifice a creature and deal five. <laughs> How are you going to do that? Fiery conclusion uh, to a creature. So I'm going to steal a creature, attack you with it. Probably I'm going to get to go ahead and enjoy attacking you with it, and then afterwards I'm going to sack it to fiery conclusion and deal five to something else. That's pretty good. Uh, fiery conclusion. That's a reprint, I think, isn't it? Yeah, I think so too. The art looks familiar, but but and then you you also get another creature, you know, for these synergies, uh, that's going to let you, when you uh, when it enters the battlefield, lets you steal a uh, a two power creature from an opponent for the the same kind of way, like act of treason for the turn. So, um, so you can if 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 your deck's kind of working like that, you can afford to play fiery conclusion without uh, you know without sacrificing good creatures of your own. Right, so enthralling victor is the card you're talking about there. Right. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, yeah, with power two or less, and of course you can pump it later. Um, but we're gonna see in sealed deck um, plenty, plenty of, uh, uh, well at least plenty, not 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 a dominating amount of small creatures because it, most decks are gonna have to you know uh, ramp up to fairly large creatures in order to have a win condition, but. As opposed to drafts, where it'll probably be even better. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we get the more aggressive decks. Um, yeah, my, uh, I, like so, I, I tend to practice sealed a lot, and um, I also tend to uh, to not play as much draft. <laughs> and so, so what happens is, um, I make the top eight of a sealed tournament, and then I draft. And then I draft a sealed deck. <laughs> it's like, this has happened to me. So I, I'm over this now. I've gotten past this. But for the longest time, like I top aided a PTQ. Uh, it was a limited PTQ during uh, during Theros. Um, and uh, and I, I draft this like green, black, super grindy deck. And I just got killed by like the blue, white, like super aggressive heroic deck. Uh, wasn't even close. Uh, it was just like one of those eye-opening moments, and I, I just always have so much trouble. Like, what was the the damn card uh, in in Fate Reforged? Um, the the messenger, the Avon messenger, that's like five drop blue right. flyer that bounces a creature. Like, that was like my the yeah that thing. I I pack one, pick one that in the uh, in the draft. Um, that uh, that we played the sealed PPTQ that you judged at, Jeff. I see. Um, that was my pack one, pick one. Um, and I actually managed to win and got to the semifinals, but then I lost to Thos playing just this hyper-aggressive, uh, it might have been Mardu, it might have just been red-white, but it was just super-aggressive, just anything and i was just like wow yeah this this my deck cannot keep up with this there's no way <laughs> so so i tried to make it a point to 
to draft like more aggressive decks and to kind of just stop looking at drafts as just the next sealed round, you know? Well, this is where I'd like to brag on the guys that I draft with. Um, We draft every Tuesday night at my house and uh, have, it's our, you know, it's our, it's our weekly team meeting for the Texas Guild Mages. But, yeah, so tell me about this. Uh, before you tell your story, I want to actually know about this. You're a member of the Texas Guild Mages. I'm imagining this is something you started, right? Yeah, basically. Um, I uh, George Baxter, when he started his team in 96, and that was at the beginning of all the teams, all, all of the team activity, the concept, the very concept, you know, uh, the Pacific Coast Legends and Your Move games, the very beginning of the of the concept of teams really working together and really working together to prepare for tournaments. George Baxter, instead of picking friends or anything, he had a series of tournaments and whatever seven guys did the best or girls did the best across those three or four tournaments, those would be his uh, seven teammates. He wanted eight so that they could practice draft, which was new at the time. Uh huh. And so we, we, I played in those tournaments. I think I played in all of them. Uh, I, I would have been, I came in eighth in the, uh, Mm. combined results. So I was first runner up Baxter patted me on the shoulder. You know, I, I wasn't in the pro tour. I hadn't been to the pro tour yet. I mean, I was still, you know, a a baby magic player and, you know, and he said, if one of these guys doesn't work out, you know, you're going to be the next guy. Well, it, it never did happen. Uh, those guys did work out and Baxter got with Baxter's help all seven of those guys made it to the pro tour within the next year. Wow. And so, uh, really impressive. Yeah. So I had guys that I was playing with, um, you know, store friends, you know, that played at the store that we all went to in Arlington called games galore. It's across the street from the old rundown high school. And, uh, and so I said, Hey guys, now we, we need it. We got to team up. And, and we, convinced the store owner you know to uh, back us a little bit and that got players to feel like that it was a worthwhile thing to do so we so we started uh working together uh at my house on tuesday nights in uh, october 1996 and tomorrow night will be the 911th meeting wow (laughs) (laughs) and it's not the same guys the whole way of course but right but the the idea is you keep finding at least eight people that you can that you can you know practice decks with but you all but you need eight because because you need to draft and there are people that you know come and visit sometimes they go wow you draft it's almost like you care about drafting more than constructed well the thing is two people can practice constructed you need eight for draft so mm-hmm. it's possible that we do kind of focus on draft a lot but uh, but you have to do it. And now that, you know, the pro tour for years, you've got to, you've got to be able to do both things. Right. Yeah. Right. And so I'm, I'm, I'm bragging on my team because, uh, you know, and it's, and it's an evolving group of guys and, and they don't all necessarily, um, they don't all necessarily beat the drum for the team, you know, as much as I might hope they would sometimes. And it's confusing because, um, you know, some of them are honestly team members, and then other others are people that we invite over that we like that that um, aren't gonna aren't necessarily literally on the team, but they're friends of ours, and they come over and help us fill up the drafts. But the drafts are hard. When uh, going into that PTQ uh, last fall, uh, I hadn't won any of the booster drafts in um, in cons yet. 
um, with with uh, with um, um, I'm sorry, not Conzo, the year the year before. Theros. Right. And I hadn't I hadn't won any of those drafts in my own house. Um, but, um, but it felt pretty easy at the end of that PTQ because I was used to a really hard booster draft environment where, where, uh, you didn't get, you didn't get great cards handed to you and you had to, uh, you know, you had to, yeah, uh, it just sharpened me up and made it, uh, made it easier when I play against, you know, when I play against other things and, and crucially it, uh, other groups of people, crucially, um, it gave, it gave me a pro tour you know sort of um a, a good pro tour practice and so um i didn't day two in valencia i lost the first round of the draft won the next two beat reed duke in the first round of constructed and then still didn't manage to make it to day two playing um playing affinity in the in the modern mm. but good anyway choice but uh but the tuesday night guys uh keep my they, they really they do keep me and everyone else that comes over sharp on booster draft. That's awesome. I'd love to come and uh, join you guys one day. It'd be really fun. Well, we'll get that done. Cool. 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 Don't know how the hell I'll get there, but we'll figure it out. Uh, <laughs> You're not the only guy I know who won't, you know, who won't drive. So uh-huh. we'll, we'll figure something out. <laughs> cool. That'd be great. Um, I'm just trying to see here. So well, what's your favorite planeswalker? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, planeswalkers, uh, we got these planeswalkers. Now we've got all five. Um, you know, of course, this has all been slowly revealed over the last couple of weeks. But we've had some time off, so uh, so now we're just getting around to talking about these. Um, man, I mean, the fact that Gideon is a one man a planeswalker is kind of insane. I love it. <laughs> and I love it. Uh, I, I'm, you know, it takes a couple turns. It's a very fragile um, body if it can get dealt with early on, but um, once you can start protecting it, you know, it, it's just crazy. It's just a a crazy planeswalker player. that you could drop into play with Collected Company. Yes. I mean, you know, the creature anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it's also right. not against it and, and constructed to flip this on turn three. Yeah, if, if, if they've got no answers... Yeah, if you're playing, yeah, if you're playing against a deck that doesn't have any like removal, oh, this is ridiculous. Yep, it's freaking ridiculous. So, um, yeah, I, I think that that you can't deny the power of a one mana planeswalker. Uh, I also think that the the Jace is really good. I mean, they're they're all they've all these planeswalkers all really like where where you've got some sets where you'll have. You know, the, like some of the core sets, you'll have the five planeswalkers, and like two of them will be good. Like, I mean, the, the Jace, the Living Guild Pact, is just terrible. You know, I mean, it's like one of the worst planeswalkers ever printed. Um, so these five planeswalkers all feel so powerful. Like, and and the fact that none of them cost more than three to play their creature side is ridiculous. Yeah, I'm gonna play five color collector company. <laughs> well, I think I think that the the planeswalker sides of these cards are I think they're a little watered down based on how cheaply you can put the card onto the battlefield initially, but I feel like they shouldn't be. I feel like they should be, you know, a little more powerful on their planeswalker side than they are because you can't, you know, you don't just play them. You have to you have to jump through some hoops before you have your planeswalker. So I, I think I think they even should be 
a little better on their planeswalker sides. Mm-hmm. I actually agree with that. Um, the only thing I could see about that not being acceptable is some of their uh, loyalty is actually like Chandra and Jace have four and five loyalty, which for both of those are actually fairly high. That's true. Yeah, I, I like I like the Jace. Um, I like the fact that you know it it. it it can protect itself, which is a really important thing for a planeswalker to be able to do. Yeah, even Gideon and Jace, or Gideon and Liliana, they started three, but both of their uh, first abilities are plus twos. Yes, yeah, so is... they go right up to five. Yeah. Um, I, I think that for what they do, and like the fact that you've got, like for instance, the Liliana, um, you get a zombie creature token, and you get you know, and you get a planeswalker. Yeah. Um. I think that they're all, like... Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I see what you're saying about the Planeswalkers not being super powerful, but I think that they're, like, very strong for for their mana cost. Right. And for what doesn't actually feel like... Like, the, the hoops don't feel that overwhelming to me. Right, I think the hardest hoop, probably, in, in some cases, you know, is Gideon. Because you have to... You have to get a guy to survive some combat. That's not necessarily always easy, but uh, but at the same time, all of them. Well, it's amazing that you're going to do something with a creature that's useful, and then it's going to turn into a planeswalker that you're then going to be able to use. It's almost you know it's kind of like getting two things out of one card on the same turn. That's pretty good. Yeah. I feel I feel like the hardest one to flip is going to be Chandra. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Gideon, I don't mind because it says attack, and so you just need to be able to give it an indestructibility. You don't really care about the other creatures at that point, maybe. Right. Uh, Chandra, yeah, you have to both attack and untap it and deal one, or you have to untap it three separate times. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. You can attack with it, which would actually be a good way to um, to get two of the damage in. These cards reminded me that when I was I was uh, judging um, a, t- a small modern PPTQ in Kansas yesterday, and um, and the guy in his uh, main deck in his jund was playing one Huntmaster, and um, and the Huntmaster just reminded me a lot of uh, these kind these Planeswalker, the idea the, you know the the just the amazing amount of in the right deck these decks these cards are going to have incredible utility on both sides. Huntmaster is a card that most people love to play and don't want to play against. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's almost the definition of a great card. <laughs> Just like that's a, that makes me think of Architect, you know, um that uh um I'm sorry, Mind Sculptor that you know, you just uh you you uh you, you hate you hate the card on the other side of the table, but you'd give anything to play it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um Let's see here. So uh, here's a weird card I want to talk about because it's just uh, it's 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 an ability that we haven't seen on a green card in a really long time. Um, it's uh, the Great Aurora. <laughs> so this card is just so weird to me. Uh, it's a mythic rare. It costs three green and six, uh, and it says each player shuffles all cards from his or her hand and all permanents he or she owns into his or her library, then draws that many cards. Wait a minute. Hold on. Wait, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Oh, so it's not draws seven cards. No, it doesn't draw that many. Oh, my goodness. This Hand is weird. And permanents in play. 
Wow. Okay. And and it's turn nine. Possibly. Oh, yeah. Well, it's probably sooner if you're yeah, ramping. Yeah, probably sooner. But even even then, it you know uh, it could easily be turn eight or nine. Yeah. So uh, so then each player may put any number of land cards from his or her hand onto the battlefield. Exile the Great Aurora because Lord knows we don't want you <laughs> casting this thing from your graveyard. Uh, that's just weird, and especially since it's a sorcery and you're doing it on your turn. Um, and you know you're playing a, or you're pl- probably playing some sort of deck with big creatures if you're playing a nine-drop uh, <laughs> green spell. Seems like you'd get the you get the first move here. Um, I don't know. I I, I don't. I, I it's 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 one of those cards that's just like whoa, so splashy. But like, do you think it's any good like at all, or is it just weird? It's good in EDH. That's is that your way of saying it's really really bad? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of the way I would like when I rate constructed cards and I say, oh, it's great and limited. That usually means that I think it's a crappy constructed card. It's definitely <laughs> it's definitely a deck starter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a build around me kind of thing. It's just so weird. I like it. I, I'm realizing like I'm realizing that there's no chance we get to all these cards. You know what I mean? Or even a third of these cards. So so I'm kind of just nitpicking right now. Going. I actually around. have a question about that. Since it says shuffle all permanents, uh, what do you do about tokens? Right. Well, they'll count towards the count. They're just not going to go. Yeah. So you'll you know, draw that. You'll draw cards per token. Right. Okay. That's nice. Now that's kind of cool. Right. The count gets locked in by the number of permanents. They don't have to have been actual cards. You're going to draw as many cards as you as you put away cards and permanents. Yeah. That's not not now, that a goblin deck would will let you. <laughs> you don't you won't you don't need to worry if the other guy's got goblins. You're probably not going to cast Great Aurora, you know, <laughs> kind of time. No, I don't think you'll ever cast this in standard, to be honest. Like, I don't think this will ever get cast in standard. But uh, it was just something I was thinking about. Um, now, uh, Molten Vortex. This is a this is a really powerful card. Um, Molten Vortex is uh, one red. It's an enchantment. It's a rare. Uh, tap a red. Discard a land card. Molten Vortex deals two damage to target creature or player. Uh, and the flavor text is probably some of the worst flavor text for like a card of this power level that I've ever seen. <laughs> but before um, you before you guys start putting in constructed decks, though, let's talk about what you can do with that in sealed. Could that red deck have more lands in it than it would normally have had? I don't mean a bunch, but eighteen is that a because because you could be you're you're not uh, hurting yourself when you play that on turn one. And you and you kill a creature on the next turn. Yeah, I think that would be the thing. If you had in your deck, you would just have to know that maybe at some point holding lands back is worth it for if you draw this card. Right. Well, I mean, I think if you're playing a fairly low curve, aggressive red deck, holding lands back is almost always correct. Um, but it's especially correct if you've got a card like this to really go to town with. You know, like especially like you're holding four lands and then you draw this and it's turn four and you've got five lands out. I mean, that's just like, that's a lot. I mean, this is like a super fireball at that point, you know? I mean, like, yeah, I, I could definitely see, you know, wanting to run more more lands uh, just to be able to abuse this more and to be able to have the lands to hold. 
Um, I think this would you would love it if this could be a good play on turn one. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a good turn one. I also think it's like, you know, once you've hit the top of your curve, um, it's a good top deck because you know if you if you have this card in your deck, you can make the conscious decision to not just land go land go like you do a lot of times in sealed because you know you've got you know what I mean like. Like, most of the time, holding a land doesn't do too much in sealed. But a lot of times, you get into those situations where you're kind of at parity, and you're kind of just draw-go, draw-go, seeing who's going to strike first. Right. Um, being able to hold those lands, hold those lands, and then you just drop this and hit them for 10. Right, yeah. and if you, even if you haven't drawn Molten Vortex, but you know it's in there in a 40-card deck, it just, it just gives you the... Uh, it gives you inevitability. The, yeah, inevitability exactly, and lets you lets you know that it'll be a little more correct than usual to just go ahead and hold on to a land in your hand. But where in other cases you would have held just one, um, right. just for to keep your hand mysterious, you might right. you might keep back too. You know, you'll be you'll make sure that you don't play extra lands that you don't need onto the board. Right, and and one thing that's important to note is that this costs red to play and red to activate but it doesn't require discarding a mountain right so so it says discard a land card so if you you know if you've got lands if you've got non-red sources and red sources and you know you can hold back the non-red sources so you have as many activations as possible when you go off with this quote unquote you know uh that's probably a good a good play too um now somebody was talking about probably on the dfw magic players a Facebook group was talking about this with life from the loam. Exactly. Yeah. Which just seems like a really stupid thing. Um, and then, uh, what else was there? Um, I guess the swans. The, yes. It would, I think it'd be better in swans than loam. Cause loam, you have seismic assault and that deck is usually strapped for red anyways. Exactly. And a lot, you know, right. And it's, I don't see necessarily that it would replace the other red, the older red enchantment for that this, deck. Because yeah. Seismic doesn't actually have an activation exactly. Cost, does it? Just yeah. discard it's, them. It's just discard them. Right, right, right. So that, that's one you can really. Yeah, okay. So it's not as good as that, but uh, but it still has some applications. Um, Definitely will. Yeah, and I think that like, you know, such a small mana commitment and just being able to tap a red and set and just you know tap a red, discard a land, deer land is a shock. Uh, it just seems like it can get get a lot of reach. In limited, they have to they have to sideboard in something that can get rid of this. Absolutely. Uh, speaking, uh, we talked about Harbinger of the Tides. Uh, on the spoiler list that I'm looking at, right next to it is another great card uh, to help uh, help fight Splinter Twin, Hallowed Moonlight. Uh, Hallowed Moonlight is one in a white. It's an instant. It's rare. Until end of turn, if a creature would enter the battlefield and it wasn't cast... Mm-hmm. Exile it instead. <laughs> draw a card. Now this also seems like a really good card against Collected Company. Yep. Yeah, my son brought up that interaction today, and so uh, you know you do that, and suddenly Collected Company says, uh, "Look at the top six cards of your library. Choose one or two creatures that cost whatever, and uh, exile those. Put the rest of the cards under the bottom of your library. Your opponent gets to draw a card." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the price would plummet. <laughs> that's correct uh so i mean i i love the fact that this card does very effectively deal with two of the top decks um uh, this seems like a card 
that you should pick up a playset of as soon as possible. And if you open them in any sort of sealed pool, you should drop from the tournament. No, you should. I just mean you should hold <laughs> on to them if you acquire them uh, through any means, uh, because you're going to need. I think you're going to need four of these for most sideboards in modern. Um, mm-hmm. You probably won't need four, but they're definitely sure. going to be good. It'll be good. I think four. I think four is <laughs> correct. I'm see my sideboards though are very heavily skewed towards uh, preventing myself from being tilted from playing against the decks I dislike. Oh, that's fair. I play I play fifteen one. I'm one of. <laughs> so like I try to I try you know I'm like if I if I if I go to a tournament and I go man I don't want to lose to Dredge today I'll like really pack the graveyard hate in, <laughs> or if I'm like man I really don't want to lose to such and such a deck you know. Uh, man, I don't want to, like, if I'm playing Burn, I don't want to lose in the mirror match. You're going to get four core Firewalkers in my sideboard, you know? Uh, it's just, like, one of those things where I'm, like, just, just I don't like to, I try to do everything I can to prevent tilt. And one of the things I can do is to be prepared for the decks that I hate the most. Yeah. Um, which is why, at one point, I considered sideboarding Sundial of the Infinite against Amulet Bloom. <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. <laughs> It's like, oh, you have a hive mind out. Okay, go on the stack. End the turn. Your turn. Speaking of that, I played uh, elves yesterday in a PBTQ that I top aided, and round one, I played a friend of mine playing Bloom, and game two, he uh, played hive mind with three cards in hand, and I had 12 green mana. He had to have more than triple summoner's pack to kill me, and he only had double. <laughs> oh, that's funny specifically summoners packed like yeah. and you and yeah that's really <laughs> that's really ridiculous yeah i hate that deck i really don't like that deck <laughs> but anyway um so yeah so i'm glad to see i'm glad to see cards like this uh that really do deal with some i mean i feel like hallowed moonlight is like a card that could borderline prevent bans i could see that because i feel like splinter twin is getting so bad that they should ban something soon or print stuff like this and i think they've gone in the direction of printing stuff like this that makes other decks interactive with it i don't think they would have banned anything but i i think that's probably the like you're saying that's probably the the reason they went this direction but people have been saying that they were going to ban part of bloom since it top aided two gps and i i don't just don't see splinter twin splinter twin top eights a lot of gps but i haven't it's only one like one or two hmm it's not like it's not like um, Abzan Pod, Abzan Pod one like four GPs in a row at one yeah. point, and that was just out of hand. Twin gets plenty of wins. I don't think of it though as being, um, I don't think of it as being particularly abusive. Yeah, exactly. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it because it's 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 got this 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 combo where it's just I play this thing I win, but then it also is really resilient especially after game one where it just, it actually gets harder to beat after sideboarding. I feel like, um, and it's, it's, I just, to me, it's just a really frustrating deck to play against, but, uh, I don't think personally that anything should be banned from it, but it's, it's a puzzle that I don't exactly enjoy trying to solve. That's fair. Um, but but it's not to the point where I'm like it should be banned. I hate it. Like it used to be that way. When it was in standard, it was that way. Yeah. When it was in standard, I absolutely hated the deck and like and it, it used to tilt me so bad. But it's funny. Like in modern, I don't really care so much because 
modern is way more competitive and way more balanced than like than any format has been in a long time and i think it has to do with the fact that they do so frequently ban stuff you know i, I like that i like the fact that they ban things keep the bans coming you know ban cards in my decks i don't even care like keep it's the like, bans coming as long as they right, and and but, show us that you'll unban things too yeah yeah exactly right yeah and i and i i do appreciate that too when it happens um yeah, I'm not ho- wholly opposed to seeing Jason Mind Sculptor get unbanned. I heard, I'm hearing the rumors. Yeah, because uh, the thing is, like, you know, there. Well, then now there's actually starting to be a couple competitive um, uh, control decks yeah. in modern, which was one of the main arguments for unbanning Jace was that you know control is not a pillar in this format, which is a problem. You know, there need to be the combo control. Um, and, and aggro, there need to be these pillars in mid-range. These pillars need to exist for a format to, to feel healthy. And just for there to just not be a control deck just feels so weird, especially with such a great card pool of great control cards. You know, I feel like it would take, or at least until some of these other control decks started popping up, felt like it would take something like Unbanning Chase the Money yeah. Sculptor for a deck to exist. But uh, I don't know. Um, again, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be uh, sad if they never unban it. But uh, I'd welcome it. You know, I'd welcome a new challenge um, as long as it just doesn't slot right into Twin. So um, are there, uh, just because I know that there's so many cards, there's no chance we get to all of them. Uh, I'll probably be joined by Steven next week to talk more spoilers. Um, are there any other cards that y'all are especially excited about? Yeah, uh, I want to talk about, about, you know, uh, you know, they reprinted a Power 9 card, so I just kind of feel like we should at least mention <laughs> it. Why? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Okay, so you so you really do feel like this is a reprint of a Power Nine card. I I do, and and I think the the way uh, the way you you know judge a card is uh, is not you know can you figure out a way to make it good, but um, is it just okay if you just play it and and both people shuffle their hand in graveyard and get new hands, but yet you're not going to get to do anything else. By the way. I played many, many games back in the day where, where uh, that is what happened with my time twister. You know, you didn't always, you weren't always able to play it and then also do a lot more stuff that turn. This, uh, it, even on its face, you know, when you the dirtle play, which is you know play it up. Now the other guy gets to do stuff before I do, um, because the turn just ended abruptly. It still seems pretty good to me. <laughs> Now it's, yeah? it's super exciting if you figure out a way to, you know, you figure out a way to cheat this as an instant somehow. I'm I'm all for that, I, you know, in modern or something. I'm excited. You could also just take it. Maybe set up where you could take an extra turn. Love it. No, because it says if it's your turn and the turn. Yeah, it, well, you end the turn and then you start your extra. Yeah, start your next turn. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. And it could be a great. And you know, I'm not talking about. I don't think this card takes over or anything like that. But uh, although I'm I'm always thinking about ways to build red blue decks that burn you burn you burn you run out of cards use some blue get a bunch of bunch of cards and start burning you some more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean Wheel of Fortune's a good card. Right. So yeah, and this is essentially you know this essentially does that same thing gets back your burn spells, uh, you know minus and you draw a hand of seven cards minus whatever lands you've already played that turn so right. you have a better chance of drawing business. So yeah, I mean, I, I can totally see that. I mean, it seems like I mean, it seems like a great card to me. Um, I don't think I've ever cast a time twister, so I don't know what that's like. <laughs> but uh, 
but uh, you know, I can imagine that uh, that uh, this definitely has some applications. Right. So I don't think that it's I don't think it's going to rock anybody's world. And I'm I guess you can't reprint literally Time Twister. I mean, for more than just legal reasons. But um, I think I think it's definitely going to be okay. I don't think it's a so what card. I don't think that it'll be a one dollar mythic by any means either. I think not at all. I think it'll be a good card. It's not time reversal. Right, and I loved I loved uh, end of the turn uh, from uh, what's the first card that did that? Uh, it was an instant time stop. Exactly, time stop. Yep. That's just amazing. Well, I do love that if you. If you do figure out a way to do this at instant speed, it's amazing that everything stops and the spells on the stack don't get resolved. And oh, on your own turn, you'd have to do it. You have to do it on your own turn in order you to have quicken the turn. Quicken, quicken exactly. Yeah. Quicken into this against the against the uh, the uh, hive mind. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's deep. That is. That's going a little too deep, probably. Oh well. Uh, another great actual reprint, not just a functional one, uh, is Goblin Piledriver. Um, Goblin Piledriver is just a phenomenal card, and um, one would only hope that there's also going to be a strong Goblin sub-theme backing it up in this set. There's enough already in the set. Yeah, so you already have have Dragon Fodder, Frenzy Goblin, Foundry Street Denison, Horling Outburst, and Rapid. I'm I'm talking about Limited. Well, right, yeah. even limited. Of course, you know you'll only have one pile driver or zero, but right, it'll it, it'll it'll still it at least will have a role in yeah. in limited, but it's yeah, have, crazy for constructed. You have Bargard <laughs> Brute and uh, Subterranean Scout, mm-hmm. both to pair it with, which is those are both nice cards and sealed. Yeah, but this into Rabble Master is just going to be like the play in standard for the next couple of months, I think. Well, let yeah. me just throw this out there, though, for Team Sealed. A lot of times, you know, one of the, the old-time strategies for Team Sealed kind of is that you figure out, and we just don't know yet with this set, but, you, you right. know, you figure out the, uh, the you know, the two decks that are strongly in two different colors, and uh, you build two of those, and, and spoiler alert, they're not sharing a color. And then suddenly there's a color that one guy gets to have all to himself. Now, right. that won't typically be red, but red, you know, if your red pool is crazy, you know, it could end up being it could end up being the mono or almost mono colored deck still allowing a piece or two of removal for one of the other two decks if if the other two decks are so, are hurting so badly for removal that they need a third color. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's when you're going to see Goblin decks um, make a difference. Frankly, Team team Sealed might be the way that, uh, because we're opening 12 packs, Team Sealed might be where Goblin Piledriver is actually broken in Limited. Yeah, it might be. And uh, But, you know, also, though, one thing I was just thinking about from you saying that is how broken the Elves deck could potentially be. Right. Uh, and everybody's going to open 12 packs. They're going to have so many elves, green and black, yeah. or even just green. Yeah, I was actually mm-hmm. thinking about that. You were, uh, you were discussing what brings out Shama the Pack and Sealed, and Woodland Bellower actually does that very nicely. Which one is this, Woodland Bellower? Yeah, that's right. the 6-drop, uh, 6-5. Six six you get a non-legendary creature card, convert a mana, cost 3 or less, put it on the battlefield. When you, oh. when you play your 6-5 for 6, which you were going to yes. do anyway. 
That's right. That's right. Oh yeah, that's right. That thing. Oh man. So it just kind of pairs up with it perfectly in a nice green deck. Wow. Yep. That is crazy. And and I'm a I'm a straight line, pretty linear kind of guy. Uh, so you know, if you guys, I won't be offended if you guys put me into the mono deck. We'll we'll just see what ha- what happens. Oh, I come on, man. I, I'm I'm so open minded when it comes <laughs> to this sort of stuff. Yeah, that is you one know? thing we'd have to figure out though is where we're going to be sitting and also what decks go in those seats. Right. Yeah. It's very important. It's something we discussed at Nashville. It took us probably a week to figure out the correct, you know, seatings as well as just the decks we each wanted to play. Well, you know, we've got the we've got the lines of communication open on Facebook, so it's something we can discuss uh, internally over the next couple of weeks. Uh, you know, or well, we've got a month and a half. Yeah. We've got a lot of time. Um, I keep thinking about uh, Grand Prix Dallas, which is like you know three weeks away. Right. And I keep thinking about that as being the trip to Detroit going, man, we only got three weeks. No, we don't. We got lots of time. Mm. Um, so there's lots of time to think about this sort of stuff. And as we, uh, you know, I'm playing in the pre-release on Sunday, I am going to play two at a giant. So, you know, I'll get a little bit of that yeah. <laughs> sort of practice, uh, at the pre-release, uh, just a little bit of, you know, team deck building, uh, and practice. We'll get together on the interwebs and break down some card pools. The three of us, we can definitely mm-hmm. make that happen. Oh, totally, absolutely. And we can um, we can find someone else to be Levi for us in a pinch at at um, at Grand Prix Dallas. You, yeah, you, know, you and me, and 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 maybe we can get a practice. Uh, you know, you know, it's possible that you might be able, we might be able to convince somebody in, in just about the same as playing a playing a three v three team draft for all the cards. We might right. be able to find some dudes with a little bit of gamble in them to play. Uh, to play a three versus three team sealed just for the practice. Yeah, well, I, I I can already tell you that I know people who will just sit down and do that for fun with us. Well, see, so, yeah, that's I'm, where that's you, man. It's amazing that I haven't ever met anybody other than me that was so weird about you know that would would do a lot with sealed as if it were you know uh, it's it's like Joe, you treat sealed deck as though it were an actual format. <laughs> I do, I do. I do. I love it. I love, I love it. Love it. Love it. Um, but uh, but cool. Yeah. So. Um, what would you like to talk about next? Yeah. Well, because you know we're 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 kind of running out of time on uh, this week. We got some things we want to get to before yeah. we uh, before we wrap up. Um, was there any other cards that y'all were super excited about that you wanted to talk about? No, but this uh, will be my segue to the next thing. Is that. Uh, it's cool. It's super cool when um, when Rosewater announced two weeks ago, or a week ago, just a week ago, that uh, that uh, Scry is now an evergreen ability, and and another meaning that we can expect it to re- be reprinted frequently, and and uh, we, little did we know it might even pop up other ways, and, yeah. and also the same news for Prowess, which you can see a little of in the spoiler. I don't see enough prowess or scry in the spoiler but you know there's things we don't know yet yeah. was there prow was there prowess in this set i didn't there see it, but yeah I yeah blue had... blue has it I, was gonna say, I thought i at least saw some well also the soul blade gen has like team prowess <laughs> the ring oh yeah it does is a, it's a common three three flyer that has prowess oh, okay right right that has high flying has to be blocked by flyers can only block flyers gotcha Oh, okay. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, Ring War now. 
But I'm just saying those are the cards you got to worry about the most because they're common. Yeah. You figure out what you can... So I'm just saying that it's great news that Prowess has reached the status and Scry have reached the status of being evergreen like First Strike and Double Strike and Death Touch, things that we can expect to see a lot of in sets going forward. It's, yeah. It's definitely... You can definitely see that Wizards has and that players have really gained a lot from the Scrylands over the last year or so. That's true. Now, the one thing that I just want to say, that I think that we totally skimmed over, this is a 3-3 three, three owl? <laughs> That's a gigantic owl! I mean, like, what is that? Like, I mean, like, what, I'm trying to think of, like, other 3-3s three in history that like a three three owl. Um, what? Oh man, what was the card? The three three for green green. You're thinking of Colonian Tusker. Yeah, Colonian Tusker is a three three. This is an owl. This is an owl that can go toe to toe with a drop. with a Colonian Tusker, but it's a but it's <laughs> a three three owl. Well, you know, uh, a regular owl brings you your letter from Hogwarts, and then. Ring Warden Owl. This is the guy that brings you your Amazon or your pizza or something. <laughs> yes. Yes. This is the troop transport owl. Uh, owl. Uh, owl. Uh, owl. Uh, owl. On her back. Staring at me. Judging me. Uh, owl. It's like the, uh, the Monty Python sketch where they're talking about the sheep and... He keeps handing off the mustache, and then they're showing all the ways that the sheep can see passengers. <laughs> but, uh, right, compartments and stuff and extra <laughs> features of this sheep. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of like that. That's crazy. Yeah, so anyway, uh, totally ruining your segue, and you're welcome, by the way. <laughs> uh, it's, I'm just that's what I'm here to do. I'm just here to destroy. So now there is a new mulliganing rule that's going to begin in uh, with the uh, – uh, Pro Tour MTG Origins, and it's only going to be at Pro Tour MTG Origins for now. Uh, my assumption well, is it, that it it's... becomes public after that. They no, they they, they didn't say it will. Uh, they said that they're going to reevaluate and see. Oh, did they? My, okay. uh, my assumption is that it'll be a success, and then will just immediately become law. Um, but they're testing it. At the Pro Tour. Yeah. And uh, so the Mulligan rule is exactly the same as it was. Uh, players, you know, uh, the player who's uh, playing first uh, decides to Mulligan first. The other player, uh, you know, simultaneously Mulligans. You know, both players will Mulligan or not Mulligan, you know, uh, depending on what the other player decides. Uh, and then once uh, all the Mulligan decisions have been made... Uh, each player, beginning with the uh, the starting player, gets to scry one. So so you, you you resolve your mulligans. You've got your six or your five in your hand, and then before you take your first turn, each player will scry one. I think you know, I'm not one of those kind of guys who uh, who thinks the sky is falling every time there's a change in magic. I've never been that. Um, well, no, maybe I've been that, but I'm not that anymore uh, because I've just realized how ridiculous it seems to be that way. Change happens, and despite, you know, 
the fact that I'm getting older, I must not resist change, uh, or I show my age. So, uh, I've, you know, I, I'm open to this, and I think that this is actually a really positive move, uh, because it will allow more matches to be more interactive. Because the one thing that I hate doing is I hate losing to someone who never develops their side of the board. Uh, because, or I hate winning to someone. What I mean is I, I hate winning against someone who never gets a chance to play. You know, I like to play magic. I don't like to goldfish cards while someone watches me win. Um, or I'd play Splinter Twin. Um, I think it's going to be fair. Um, there's been some guys, like there's a guy playing Amulet Bloom who thinks now Bloom's going to get banned just because of this new change. And I, I mean, that just to me seems ridiculous. I, I don't know to other people, but. Um, now, it, I, I can see that, in it only I'm not specifically talking about the, the Amulet Bloom deck, but I can see this change uh, like potentially favoring combo decks over everything else, because there are a lot of decks that need to mulligan into their combo pieces. And um, I can see that, like, I can see this affecting, like, or, or benefiting, like, Tron a lot. Um, I can see this benefiting Splinter Twin a lot. Uh, I definitely see it benefiting uh, Amulet Bloom a lot. It really lot. just depends on how good a Scry 1, just for the entire game, truly is. Well, if you were going to mulligan anyway, I mean, the fact that, like, those decks have to mulligan to, to 6 or 5 sometimes anyway, it's only good. It can only be improve your chances i mean of of getting where you need to be but i wonder i wonder what the thinking was that you know they they wanted they wanted to be simple they wanted to be the concise they want to change the mulligan rule as little as possible of course this is the challenge for 20 years of what to do with you know mana problems um i wonder though if there had been consideration of just just uh, everybody finish your finish your mulligans, and whether you took one or not, mulligan. I mean, uh, scry one. And and I wonder if the point was. I wonder if they experiment with that, and that when you have a good hand, you know, you don't need to scry. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, or maybe the fact that like mulligans are already seen as such a disadvantage for some players. Like some players, like dread going down to five. Some players just throw in the towel as soon as they have to put to pitch six. You know, it's weird, uh, though, how you can't make your decision on how many cards to keep. It doesn't really brighten your day that much. In other words, I don't think you can use it in the calculus at all for what hand to keep that you're going to get to peak at the top card. Yeah. Well, hopefully a lot of my opponents will factor that in and will keep a terrible six because they figure they can at least scry. A lot if of times that's when it. you know your opponent's going to take a mulligan is when he suddenly scries for one while he's holding yeah. his seven-card hand. Yeah, I never look. I don't ever look. There's no point in looking. You don't need to look. But do you guys think this is a... Uh, I didn't mean to walk on you, Levi. Oh, no, 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 no. Did, uh, do you, oh, do you, no, you're fine. Is this, is this an overreach? Like, kind of a... Like, like we've seen how good the scrylands have been in standard... They don't really affect modern very much. And They're actually seeing more play now, though. That's over the last few weeks. It's been a little surprising. They're starting to see. They're starting to pop up in more and more varying decks. Hmm. In modern. Yeah. Um, Ad nauseum has started playing Temple of Deceit as. Uh, as actually plays a few of them. Uh, Jeskai hmm. plays Temple of Enlightenment as a like two of or one of. They're just like uh, they're starting to pick up copies because, like you say, the Scry one is good. 
and over the course of it, that's like I'm not sure the mulligan rule matters too much because it's the beginning of the game and you have mulligans, so it kind of evens out a disadvantage. But throughout the game, when you pick up these lands and you're scrying one multiple times in a game, it, it becomes I think a little bit better when you can do it multiple times rather than just a mulligan, you know, and then scrap one. Right. Well, I definitely agree that I just think that. It's been, it must have been an experience that Wizards is noticing that the game, you know, really standard has changed the way that Mana Screw is, has, has affected everybody differently because of these Scrylands. And that we learned, we didn't immediately put them in our decks, but we learned, uh, okay, yeah, I'll have my land come into play tapped because it's helping me solve Magic's biggest problem. Yeah, I'm 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 excited to see how it winds up working out. I feel like this is one of those changes that like it's just they're just going to show that it works on the pro tour before they initiate it to prevent you know the usual doomsayers from saying doom. You know, I really um, like how they're introducing at the pro tour because you think about it, these are you know most of the best players in the world in one place able to test a new rule change. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing. Um, leave it to them. Let's let, let, let them languish. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, so the other, the other things that they changed, um, rules wise, there was one that I forgot, but then the other one that I, that I like a lot and I thought it was more widespread, uh, was enforced board layout. Um, at least, uh, in it's it's only in like on camera matches. Oh, I remember the other thing. Never mind. Wow, how could I forget the second thing? It's the most important thing, I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they've they've enforced the board layout on feature matches. I thought it was going to be straight up across all grand prix and like basically all competitive REL events, which I was so happy about because I hate when like players will put their like graveyard on the battlefield and then it's just like and and i don't know i just feel like putting your graveyard anywhere other than where it goes uh there's so much potential for abuse um and someone to just like grab a card they need out of their graveyard instead of drawing a card for the turn like i don't know there's just i don't know but it's only for feature matches just to to clean up the play area and I'm, i'm i'm cool with that i i wish it were more widespread uh but then the other thing that they're doing is that starting with this pro tour, I believe matches that are on camera uh, will have a uh, judge dedicated to watching the matches on video and, um, and then uh, video replay will be allowed to a degree. I don't know to what degree, but um, there will be some kind of video replay allowed in those matches. And I think that's actually great, too. Uh, do we have to ask, uh, do you think this is brought on by Chapin? This is brought on by the Chapin situation. I don't think well, this you know was Chapin. I mean, not, not by Chapin personally, but I meant by his situation. Yeah, because uh, what happened was there was a very awkward situation, and it created a discussion. Well, what do we do? We have this information. Why don't we use it? You know, and I understand the, like, you know, well, you can't check the video on every match because not every match is on camera. It's almost like the matches that are on camera are more important. Yeah. Well, they are more important, or they wouldn't be on camera. So getting them right, I feel, is more important because most of the time they are matches that have a lot more at stake than, like, someone at, like, table 263, you know? But anyway, what do you th- – you're a judge, Jeff. What do you think about that, Shane? Right, well – 
uh, man, I'm not I'm not the guy that it loves in in other sports. I'm not the guy that loves uh, instant replay so terribly much in other sports. And you know, okay. it's growing and everything. And and it's like um, it slows down the game. Um, the most important thing, of course, is supposed to be that we're well, we're going to get it right. Well, you know, every, we can every sport that you love, you can tell me about the time that they used video. Definitely didn't get it right. And if they had just trusted the human, like the human beings, they do the best job that they can. They could get bought off by a gambler or something. Well, so could the guy that makes the decision for the video replay oddly from a closed room in New York City. I'm sure that's totally fair. But um, Sp- I'm- spoken like I <laughs> spoken like as I am assuming spoken like a lifelong baseball fan. But, um, so, but, but, um, so the, the philosophy though, taking it back to magic, the philosophy uh, had been that if you can't do it for everybody, don't do it for the few situations where you've got it. But then, you know, there's, but then of course it's just so obvious. Well, if you have it, we understand, we appreciate you can't do it for everybody, but if you do have it, how do you have, how do you have information and then don't take advantage of it? They definitely have shown that, we're gonna we're gonna look at videotape and retroactively use the ban hammer and knock guys right out of magic for a year or two if necessary right. and and I definitely agree with that so totally. so I guess it's it's come down to if you've got it uh, it could in other words would it have clarified Chapin's situation a little more quickly possibly you know it could have yeah it definitely could have. Yeah, I think it would have. But um, the, you know, but the devil is in the details, and the thing is, you just don't want things to take. You know, the Chapin situation. How could it have taken longer uh, if they had used replay? It couldn't have. But it's true. You just don't want to. You just you just don't want to. Uh, there, the one flaw I think that people have, and again, more like with sports than with magic, is the thing is, is we all get used to playing Madden football or you know some other sports game on a computer and you think well look i can always dial it back and see exactly pixel for pixel that his foot that that uh that to or i'm um, sorry that that the guy got his foot down and he has the ball that he's got it he's you know and you can you can prove it quote prove it but um see real life just isn't going to be like that it's not a video game you can't dial it back you don't have 3d okay so uh, camera, uh, a, a two-dimensional camera that, set, that that one particular view tells you that the ball was moving before his knee hit the ground. Oh my God! And they and they they'll you know they'll really they'll they'll spend a lot of time worrying about an extremely minute thing that our grandparents just uh, the ref went. No, nope, looks like a fumble to me. So it's a fumble, or that doesn't look like a fumble to me. It's not a fumble. And obviously, games have been won and lost by people making mistakes, but. But the sports are played by human beings, and they're they're refereed by human beings. And Magic does share those uh, features. So yeah, I mean, it's it, it's something again. It'll be interesting to see just how widely it's used, and uh, how they implement it on this Pro Tour. This Pro Tour is going to be really interesting for a lot of reasons. You know, right. um, the fact that when when is the Pro Tour exactly? When's the exact dates? Do you know? I don't have it in front of me. No, it's either. before the Grand Prix, though. Is it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. I think it's like the week after the pre-release. Isn't that usually how it goes? So we'll get to see. We'll get to see. My point is, we'll get to see some some limited. Uh, we'll get to see some some drafts because they do draft. Yeah, you're right. Pro you're right. It's the first weekend in August. Okay. Yeah. So we'll get to see some some pro level drafts. 
on coverage. There's a lot of there'll be a lot of uh, a lot of reason to to watch this pro tour. Um, so it'll be exciting to see how everything goes down. Um, so now we've only got about like five ten minutes. So I just kind of want to real quick because this was our exercise. Uh, Levi played in a regional PTQ this past weekend. It was sealed, and he went one two and dropped. Um, I was not prepared at all. I will admit. Okay, so yeah, you you built a deck, and you said you built a deck that you you opened a pool that had a bunch of bulk rares, and just like didn't have a didn't have a good deck in it, and uh, went one two drop. Now he hasn't told me what deck he had, but he did uh, provide me with his sealed pool. So what I did, and Jeff, you've also built one as well, yes, right? Sir. So we've all, we've both built decks. So I just kind of want to just run these down. Um, I want to start with mine. I'm going to run down my list. And then I want Jeff, I want you to run down your list, and then I want you, Levi, to run down the list that you actually wound up playing. Okay. So I just want to see how, how close we are on this. And it could be really boring for the listeners, but it's the end of the show. You can just stop it now if you think this kind of thing is boring. I don't care. Thanks. See you next week. So anyway, here's the deck that I built. Um, one Wild Slash, one Coat with Venom, one Mardu Shadow Spear, one Typhoid Rats, one Dramoka Warrior, one Lightwalker, one Twin Bolt, one Pacifism, one Bloodchin Rager, one Colagon's Aspirant, one Battle Brawler, one Dragon Bell Monk, one Ambuscade Shaman, one Goblin Heel Cutter, one Sabretooth Outrider, one Abzan Sky Captain, two Flatten, one Lose Calm, one Avon Tactician, one Silumgar Butcher, one Gurmag Angler, one Stormwing Dragon. <laughs> this is the nastiest mana base. Seven Swamps, five Plains, five Mountains. Oh, no fixing. No fixing. Um. <laughs> Jeff, what was your deck? Right. Well, I also liked the red and black cards. Um, I wish I could say I was crushing this format more so I would be my opinion would matter more. And it's always super fun when your friends take apart your sealed deck and tell you what, you know. But um but by the way, I'm going to I'm going to build I'm going to build the uh, I'm going to build the other two. I'm going to build the deck that the two of you built and I'm going to play them because because I'm as weird as Joe is. Uh, so I'm, I'm black red and, uh, without a third color and, um, the one drops are typhoid rats, wild slash and coat with venom. My twos are colligan aspirant, blood chin rager, hand of Silumgar, and battle brawler and twin bolt. The threes are scream reach brawler, Atarka. Afri- I'm calling Atarka a free to three. Cause I'm going to play it face down. No doubt. And I'm yeah. also going to play Stormwing uh, dragon face down, possibly. Ambuscade, uh, Shaman, Marsh Hulk, face down as a morph. Uh, I'm going to play Colligan's Monument because it's a dragon more than because it's going to help the mana. But I guess I do have a lot of fours, fives, and sixes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to play, a, you know, kind of a crappy card. I like to play um, Mine Rot. I like in sealed. I like I like one Mine Rot sure, a lot of okay. the times. Uh, four drops, Sabretooth, Outrider, Goblin Heel Cutter, Wandering tomb shell along with lose calm and double flatten and then uh Silumgar butcher and the uh, germag angler and uh, kept the land really simple with nine swamps and uh, eight mountains because i think i just slightly uh my permanents need uh, need mana sooner than um, than the red spells do so i need just a tiny bit more black than red Sure, sure. And your and your deck is closer to the kind of deck that I prefer to play in sealed, which is two colors, very streamlined, none of this 
like not having a color crap that I'm almost certainly going to have with the deck that I built. Well, I could easily but, have added, I really wanted to add Ruthless, Death Fang, and Blue, and maybe three blue spells, but I just decided not to. I really liked some of the like the warrior synergy. I can't even rem- remember if there's any past just the Bloodshin Rager, but I love Bloodshin Rager. So I really did try to like skew it a little more towards the warriors and um, and take advantage of that. That's kind of why I went with that. So um, so Levi, tell me the deck that you wound up going with. Well, but first before I say that, you said you like Bloodshin Rager. My opening silpul that I passed had Brutal Horde Chief, Battle Brawler, so? and Bloodshin Rager. <laughs> so what? What 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 is that? What is that silpul? I love. I wish I had that silpul. <laughs> what is that? I mean, I wish I had. I don't know a lot of things that I don't have, <laughs> but I don't have that. You you can never think. I don't ever want you to think about the seal pool you that you open again. There's still kids in tournaments that flip out a little bit when they've oh, never had to just... when, when they've never had to trade their pile to somebody else before. Oh yeah, yeah. It didn't, I, it didn't bother me to give it away so much as bothered me to get this one. Right. Well, see, but that's because you were thinking about what you had. Yeah, that's because, true. So how many of those cards in that sealed pool helped your deck? None. None, because you don't get those cards. <laughs> You don't get those cards. Those are not your cards. It's like it's like it's like when you go to like a standard tournament and you look at somebody's blue black control deck and you go, Oh sweet Bile Blight and then you go and you play mono red and you go, Man, I looked at my friend's my friend's blue black control deck. Why am I not why am I not drawing this Bile Blight? You can't draw it. It's not your card. Just like I don't know. I'm I'm I have a million of these things I can say about seals. Well, but anyway I'll listen to him on the drive to Detroit. <laughs> well, tell me about your deck. Right, tell I me what you up, played. Uh, I ended up playing Jess Guy. And get closer to your phone. I ended up playing Jess Guy. Okay. And so I ended up playing a Wild Slash, a Tarka Freak, Goblin Hillcutter, Twin Bolt, Stormwing Dragon, Abzan Sky Captain, Territorial Rock, Dragon Bell Monk, Orator of Jutai, Pacifism, Right into Bean. Mystic Meditation, Roxasha's Disdain, Frostwalker, Avon Surveyor, Illusionary Gains, Ojutai Summons, Stratus Dancer, Updraft Elemental, Shu Yun, Ancestral Statue, Pristine Skywise, One Tranquil Cove, Eight Islands, Five Mountains, and Four Plains. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound like an unreasonable deck by any means. Uh, I like, you know having as many flyers as possible. Um, you know, I think that both, well, we've got a couple flyers in the, no, you, well, you, I think only had one, right, Jeff? Just the dragon, right? right? To, uh, you know, and the, um, monument. That's true. You had the monument too. On like, turn, you know, eight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the one I built had three flyers. So like, um, you know, and I, I and I do I do value flyers pretty high, and yours definitely sounds like it has a decent amount of flyers. Yeah, that was the main um, focus after the point where I figured out I wanted to be in these three colors. You know, what can I gain do you from think this? Th- do you think there's anything that drew you into those three colors that might have been a trap? That might have been a trap. Uh, Shuyan was sort of a trap because I didn't have the instants and spells I needed to activate prowess or you know trigger prowess as much as I needed to. Yeah, but. It, 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 I, I had a lot of trouble making that card work for me in, in limited, even though it is a pretty good card, uh, you know, on, on, on paper. Yeah. There's about one situation where it worked and I got to wild slash my opponent. And he didn't block and attend him, but 
That's always fun. Yeah, other other than that, the rest of the day, it didn't really work out too well. I, yeah. I was drafting last week, and I was red-black with a lot of removal, and my shrewd opponent sideboarded in um, Glint and owned <laughs> me. So it does. It wouldn't have to be in the main deck, but if I was playing blue, it'd be good to know that I'd have have a trick like that available to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And it's always something that, like, you know, with with the you know with the Tranquil Cove, and I'm not sure if there was much other fixing. You you didn't have a lot of fixing in the pool at all. No, no. But like, you know, that is something that you could put in your deck, um, and then you know have the the card like sideboard cards available to you at least or maybe do a very light blue splash on some things um but again it wasn't you know this exercise wasn't to 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 tell you what you were doing wrong you know and it wasn't to rip your deck because i really don't you know do that kind of stuff but like it was definitely just to like to hear three different perspectives on the same seal pool it's something that i always think is really important yeah um you know, and then uh, and then, like Jeff said, like like building them because that's what we did a couple weeks ago. Is we built um, Modern Master Seal. We, we took the same Modern Master Seal pool. Me and Steven both built it, and then we put it on uh, a program, and we played each other. And uh, I whooped him. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I whooped him real good. What's the date of GP Dallas? Uh, it's the uh, 25th and 26th of July. Oh, uh, okay. Gotcha. Are, are you thinking about coming down for it? No, I actually only get one weekend off of uh, work a month, and so that's why I've been oh, grinding geez. a bunch of different tournaments. <laughs> I grind. Wow. Uh, I won the PPTQ. I got off in May, so I got to go to regionals this month. <laughs> nice, nice, yep. nice. But there's not going to be any trouble with Detroit. Oh no, not at all. Good. Cool. Cool. Okay. Well, good. If you were, it's, if you had been available for Grand Prix Dallas, I was going to tell you that I can't pick you up. <laughs> it would have been greatly appreciated <laughs> <laughs> okay all right well we really got to wrap this up um guys it's been really great talking to both of you uh i'm looking forward to you know you know meeting you levi and uh and talking more uh between the three of us preparing for this event and uh getting ready to go to to detroit and and, and do this thing and I, I can, uh, I'll start typing up Zen and the art of, uh, of sealed, uh, for you, Levi. So you can start reading okay, my, sounds great. my manifesto. That's all we have. That's all the time we have for this week. Uh, next week I'll be back with Steven. We'll be talking about, uh, the spoilers, probably the full MTG origin spoiler. Uh, but until then we are yo MTG taps. Stop bitching and start brewing. Never encounter fights with self-defense, leg swipes, alcohol, toss, molotovs, throwing down the mic. Now they get caught up in the hype for being so tight. Sag with your jeans was hella mean, mug, right? Strike, intro thinking combined. Libro Jenkins outlined the highest price. Hip hop, you rep vaguely. I'm consistent, fresh, daily. I maintained a quiet life during open mics. Expectations is too high. Dreams holding me. I've lost friends and loved ones. Couldn't cope with it. Yo MTG Taps is available every bloody Friday forever on legitmtg.com, iwantmymtg.com, mtgcast.com, and iTunes. Email us, yomtgtaps at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Tumblr, yomtgtaps.tumblr.com. Follow us on Twitter, at yomtgtaps. Follow me on Twitter at OMGWTFBHJFTW. 
Follow Stephen on Twitter at M00NPI. Follow Joey on Twitter at Affinity for Blue. Featuring music by You'll Never Know and Logic Marsalis. Available at magneticmoments.bandcamp.com. Thanks for listening.